Hello and welcome to another episode of Where Butterflies Come From. In this show, we read fairy tales from all over the world and react to them in real time. Hope you like listening as much as we like making it. Enjoy! Lucius Apulius. Apulius. And the title is? Cupid and Psyche. And uh, featuring deeper voice. Featuring deeper voice. Because <laughs> I'm having a psychotic break, <laughs> which is relevant to the story because it's Cupid and Psyche. Cupid is the one we know. Psyche is who? Okay, if you think about Cupid, yeah. it's like a baby with wings. <laughs> Maybe with an arrow. With, well, it has, it has wings too. Wings is just... And he's blind. Oh. Right? I guess. Yeah, love is blind. So is justice. Really? Yeah. You didn't know that? So, how does he call it justice? Smell it? No, it's the justice doesn't care like what you look like or like whatever. It it just weighs. That's why the late lady justice has a blindfold on. Because oh. justice is blind. It doesn't care. But for me, I think love is blind means it's random. Doesn't mean it doesn't care how you look. Yeah, yeah, justice is not random. Mm. All right. A certain king and queen had three daughters. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) The charms of the two elder were more than common, but the beauty of the youngest was so wonderful that the poverty of language is unable to express its due praise. Good limitation of language. Mm -hmm. Her, dude, her beauty was non-dualistic. The Wittgenstein. Wittgenstein? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because we say we we go to town. <laughs> the Wiccan tongue. <laughs> That's translates to the Wiccan. The Wiccan tongue. Mm. Yes. The fame of her beauty was so great that strangers from neighboring countries came in crowds to enjoy the sight and looked on her with amazement. Paying her that homage, which is due only to Venus herself. Wow. The planet? The person. The beauty person. In fact, Venus found her altars deserted while men turned their devotion to this young virgin. As she passed along, the people sang her praises and strewed her way with chaplets and flowers. Oh, that's nice. So she just for exhibition? Yeah. <laughs> CC, no touch. (laughs) Okay. This homage to the exaltation of a mortal gave great offense to the real Venus. Shaking her ambrosial locks with indignation, she exclaimed, Am I then to be eclipsed in my honors by a mortal girl? In vain, then, did that royal shepherd, whose judgment was approved by Jove himself, give me the palm of beauty over my illustrious rival's Pallas and Juno, but she shall not so quietly usurp my honors. I will give her cause to repent of so unlawful a beauty, like it's her fault. Thereupon she called her winged son Cupid, mischievous enough in his own nature, and rouses and provokes him yet more by her complaints. She points out Psyche to him and says, 
My dear son, punish that contumacious beauty. Give your mother a revenge as sweet as her injuries are great. Infuse into the bosom of that haughty girl a passion for some low, mean, unworthy being, so that she may reap a mortification as great as her present exaltation and triumph. Huh. It's kind of long-winded. Cupid prepared to obey the commands of his mother. There are two fountains in Venus's garden, one of sweet waters, the other of bitter. Cupid filled two amber vases, one from each fountain, and suspending them from the top of his quiver, hastened to the chamber of Psyche, whom he found asleep. He shed a few drops from the bitter fountain over her lips, though the sight of her almost moved him to pity, then touched her side with the point of his arrow. At the touch she, aw she awoke and opened eyes upon Cupid, himself invisible, which so startled him that in his confusion he wounded himself with his own arrow. Heedless of his wound, his whole thought now was to repair the mischief he had done, and he poured the balmy drops of joy over all her silken ringlets. Psyche, henceforth frowned upon by Venus, derived no benefit from all her charms. True, all eyes were cast eagerly upon her, and every mouth spoke her praises, but neither king, royal youth, nor plebeian presented himself to demand her in marriage. Her two elder sisters of moderate charms had now long been married to two royal princes, but Psyche, in her lonely apartment, deplored her solitude, sick of that beauty which, while it procured abundance of flattery, had failed to awaken love. Her parents, afraid that they had unwittingly incurred the anger of the gods, consulted the oracle of Apollo and received this answer. The virgin is destined for the bride of no mortal lover. Her future husband awaits her on the top of the mountain. He is a monster whom neither gods nor men can resist. What is it? It's me. <laughs> It, the person reading the story. Okay. Nah. Uh -huh. Nah. I really hope this comes out. <laughs> I'm already tired. <laughs> yeah. This dreadful decree of the oracle filled all the people with dismay, and her parents abandoned themselves to grief. But Psyche said, Why, my dear parents, do you now lament me? You should rather have grieved when the people showered upon me undeserved honors, and with one voice called me a Venus. I now perceive that I am a victim to that name. I submit. Lead me to that rock which my unhappy fate has destined me. Accordingly, all things being prepared, the royal maid took her place in the procession, which more resembled a funeral than a nuptial pomp and with her parents, amid the lamentations of the people, ascended the mountain, on the summit of which they left her alone, and with sorrowful hearts returned home. Mm -hmm. While Psyche stood on the ridge of the mountain, panting with fear and with eyes full of tears, the gentle Zephyr raised her from the earth and bore her with an easy motion into a flowery dale. By degrees her mind became composed, and she laid herself down on the grassy bank to sleep. When she awoke refreshed with sleep, she looked round and beheld nearby a pleasant grove of tall and stately trees. She entered it, and in the midst discovered a fountain, 
sending forth clear and crystal waters. And fast by, a magnificent palace whose august front impressed the spectator that it was not the work of mortal hands, but the happy retreat of some god. Drawn by admiration and wonder, she approached the building and ventured to enter. Every object she met filled her with pleasure and amazement. Golden pillars supported the vaulted roof, and the walls were enriched with carvings and paintings representing beasts of the chase and rural scenes, adapted to delight the eye of the beholder. Proceeding onward, she perceived that besides the apartments of state, there were others filled with all manner of treasures and beautiful and precious productions of nature and art. While her eyes were thus occupied, a voice addressed her, though she saw no one, uttering these words, Sovereign lady, all that you see is yours. We whose voices you hear are your servants and shall obey all your commands with our utmost care and diligence. Retire, therefore, to your chamber, and repose on your bed of down, and when you see fit, repair to the bath. Supper awaits you in the adjoining alcove when it pleases you to take your seat there. Sounds nice. Psyche gave ear to the admonitions of her vocal attendants, and after repose and the refreshments of the bath, seated herself in the alcove, where a table immediately presented itself without any visible aid from waiters or servants and covered with the greatest delicacies of food and the most nectarious wines. Her ears, too, were feasted with music from invisible performers, of whom one sang, another played the lute, and all closed in the wonderful harmony of a full chorus. She had not yet seen her destined husband. He came only in the hours of darkness and fled before the dawn of morning. Ugh. Uh Typical... So the husband knows she arrives. She he either turns into a wolf or something. Yeah. You know, got performance anxiety. <laughs> but just everybody knows everything. <laughs> I, I everybody it. knows everything. Yes. What's the point? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> It's like a, a show, like a play. You don't even have like free will or anything. It's, it just has to be that way. Word. Yeah. That's how it be some that's how it feels like sometimes. Mm. For me. It just put on on the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. She had not yet seen her destined husband. He came only in the hours of darkness and fled before the dawn of morning. But his accents were full of love and inspired a like passion in her. She often begged him to stay and let her behold him, but he would not consent. On the contrary, he charged her to make no attempt to see him, for it was his pleasure, for the best of reasons, to keep concealed. (laughs) (laughs) That is you. You cannot be. He's kinky. <laughs> For the best uh, of reasons. What reasons? <laughs> Why should you wish to behold me? He said. Have you any doubt of my love? No. <laughs> Why do you want to look at me, huh? Do you doubt that I love you? <laughs> <laughs> it's irrelevant, but no. 
If you if you want to see my face,、uh-huh. let me just say I assure you, I do love you. Okay, good to know. So still, <laughs> do you mind? I, I, I mean, I I mean, there's no technical reason why you can't, but I just I would just. Think that maybe you are questioning the strength of my commitment to you by wanting to see my face. Doesn't hurt. Just yeah, it's like confirmation. I want to see your expression. True love needs no confirmation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't show me that ever. Wow. You are not allowed to show your face like forever. The, I'll、no. show you. <laughs> the、no. hell you're gonna tell me what to do? <laughs> not like a year after you become like a handsome guy, you suddenly want to show me. <laughs> do it now or do it never. <laughs> I'll show you whenever the hell I want to show you. Okay, I'm gonna show you, but not because you, you told me. To. I told you to. <laughs> well, I I don't know which one it is. Okay. Have you any doubt of my love? Have you any wish ungratified? If you saw me, perhaps you would fear me, perhaps adore me. But all I ask of you is to love me. I would rather you would love me as an equal than adore me as a god. So if I see you become a god, I'm afraid that you'll be too awestruck by my godness. <laughs> <laughs> that it's just it's gonna be a rift in our relationship. <laughs> so I'm much rather. So that me not seeing you will be helpful in this case. Yeah. Yes. I assure you. How so? <laughs> Because okay. All right. All right. Let me break this down for you, you dumb mortal. <laughs> okay. I'm so amazing because、oh. I'm a god. That once you see me, you're gonna be so awestruck by my amazingness. But you want me to love you. Yeah, as an equal, not like, as a god. Like equal amount of love. No, like like we're on the same level. Okay. Yeah,、we're、but、lovely. once you see me, you're gonna be so amazed. But you can also love me like that too, like so amazing. I could never love you like that because you're a mere mortal. What do you mean? You try harder. I I, I mean、uh, I I I I love you. <laughs> you match it up. Why you? Can you work harder? <laughs> And not I, limit me. I'm still trying to figure out if I have a dog in this. <laughs> Man. Uh yeah. No, Even gods are、yeah. like very yep, yep. selfish. Can't live with them. Can't live without them. <sighs> this reasoning somewhat quieted Psyche for a long time. She's like, yeah, that checks out. <laughs> well, what can I do? I don't want to be too amazed. <laughs> Think more, lady. 
And while the novelty lasted, she felt quite happy. The novelty of not seeing his face. But at length, the thought of her parents, left in ignorance of her fate and of her sisters, precluded from sharing with her the delights of the, her situation, preyed on her mind and made her begin to feel her palace as but a splendid prison. When her husband came home one night, she told him her distress, and at last drew him from an unwilling consent that her sisters should be brought to see her. So, calling Zephyr, she acquainted him with her husband's commands. So Zephyr is not just a wing, he's also a person. He's a, he's a wind with a... Person. Wind per, god. Wind god. Okay. That you can reason with. Nice. I think it's a like romantic character. The Greeks like thought they could reason with the wind. I like that. Like everything has, everything is God. Okay. You okay? Fine. What am I gonna? I'm not gonna disagree with that. If you're gonna, uh-huh. everything is God. Me. <laughs> so, calling Zephyr, she acquainted him with her husband's commands. And he, promptly obedient, soon brought them across the mountain down to their sister's valley. They embraced her, and she returned their caresses. Isn't that like a son of the <laughs> west of the sun, east of the sun, west and of the sun moon. of the moon, <laughs> west of the moon? Yeah.、Oh. Then, taking their hands, she led them into her golden palace. And committed them to the care of her numerous train of attendant voices. Don't worry; these voices will take care of you. To refresh them in her baths and at her table, and to show them all her treasures. The view of these celestial delights caused envy to enter their bosoms, and seeing their young sister possessed of such state and splendor, so much exceeding their own, they asked her numberless questions. Among others, what sort of a person her husband was. Psyche replied that he was a beautiful youth who generally spent the daytime in hunting upon the mountains. The sisters, not satisfied with this reply, soon made her confess that she had never seen him. Then they proceeded to fill her bosom with dark suspicions. Why is everything in their bosoms? <laughs> Why is that where they keep it? Everything. <laughs> just convenient. <laughs> you, you can just pull it out whenever you need. To. But I feel like, like a twenty dollar <laughs> bill. <laughs> Why is it so like a nowadays thing? You know what I mean, dude. If I had, if let me just let me just say this, okay. If、uh, I had like natural tits, like big ones, I would put things in them. Like what? Like a twenty dollar bill. <laughs> you don't even have that deeper voice. You are like yeah, I lost higher it. Higher and higher <laughs> because you're thinking about something. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely, <laughs> I'm definitely thinking about something. Ah. Okay. Call to mind, they said, the Pythian oracle that declared your destiny to marry a direful and tremendous monster. The inhabitants of this valley say that your husband is a terrible and monstrous serpent who nourishes you for a while with dainties that he may by and by devour you. Take our advice. Provide yourself with a lamp and a sharp knife. Put them in concealment that your husband may not discover them. And when he is sound asleep, slip out of bed, bring forth your lamp, and see for yourself whether what they say is true or not. 
if it is, hesitate not to cut off the monster's head and thereby recover your liberty. Psyche resisted these persuasions as well as she could, but they did not fail to have her effect on her mind, and when her sisters were gone, their words and her own curiosity were too strong for her to resist. So she prepared her lamp with a sharp knife and hid them out of sight of her husband. When he had fallen into his first sleep, she silently rose and uncovering her lamp beheld not a hideous monster, but the most beautiful and charming of the gods. With his golden ringlets wandering over his, his snowy neck and crimson cheek, with two dewy wings on his shoulders whiter than snow, and with the shining feathers like the tender blossoms of spring. Is that Cupid himself? Yeah, I guess so. It's a oh, baby. Wow. No, it's not a baby. I guess it's Cupid is just a, some guy. Yeah, handsome guy. Handsome youth. As she leaned the lamp over to have a better view of his face, a drop of the burning oil fell on the shoulder of the god. Startled, he opened his eyes and fixed them upon her. Then, without saying a word, he spread his white wings and flew out of the window. Psyche, in vain, endeavored to follow him, fell from the window to the ground. Cupid, beholding her as she lay in the dust, stopped his flight for an instant and said, Oh, foolish Psyche, is it thus you repay my love? After I have disobeyed my mother's commands and made you my wife, will you think me a monster and cut off my head? But go, return to your sisters, who advice you seem to think preferable to mine. I inflict no other punishment on you than to leave you forever. Oh my god. Get over yourself. Love but also, she, he knows everything. It's like a test or something. Yep. Everything is a test. That's so... Uh, mm -hmm. No. Love is a test. Love is not a test. Love cannot dwell with suspicion. So saying, he fled away, leaving poor Psyche prostrate on the ground, filling the place with mournful lamentations. Move on, Psyche! You can do this! You, can, you deserve better. Yeah, you deserve way better. Then a god! Then the stupid, like... Cupid. Uh, you women don't know what you want. Now, when she had recovered some degree of composure, she looked around her, but the palace and gardens had vanished, and she found herself in the open field not far from the city where her sisters dwelt. She repaired thither and told them the whole story of her misfortunes, at which, pretending to grieve, those spiteful creatures inwardly rejoiced. For now, said they, he will perhaps choose one of us. With this idea, without saying a word of her intentions, each of them rose early the next morning and ascended the mountain, and having reached the top, called upon Zephyr to receive her and bear her to his lord. Then, leaping up, and not being sustained by Zephyr, fell down on the precipice and was dashed to pieces. Huh. Psyche, meanwhile, wandered day and night, without food or repose, in search of her husband, Casting her eyes on a lofty mountain, having on its brow a magnificent temple, she sighed and said to herself, Perhaps my love, my lord, inhabits there, and directed her steps thither. She had no sooner entered that she saw heaps of corn, some in loose ears and some in sheaves, with mingled ears of barley. Scattered about lay sickles and rakes and all the instruments of harvest, without order, as if thrown carelessly out of the weary reaper's hands in the sultry hours of the day. This unseemly confusion the pious psyche put an end to, by separating and sorting everything into its proper place and kind, believing that she ought to neglect none of the gods, 
but endeavor by her piety to engage them all in her behalf. The holy Ceres, whose temple it was, finding her so religiously employed, thus spoke to her. O Psyche, truly worthy of our pity, though I cannot shield you from the frowns of Venus, yet I can teach you how best to allay her displeasure. Go then and voluntarily surrender yourself to your lady and sovereign, and by modesty and submission to win her forgiveness. And perhaps her favor will restore you the husband you have lost. Psyche obeyed the commands of Ceres and took her away to the temple of Venus, endeavoring to fortify her mind and ruminating on what she should say and how best to propitiate the angry goddess, feeling that the issue was doubtful and perhaps fatal. Venus received her with angry countenance. Most undutiful and faithless of servants, said she, do you at last remember that you really have a mistress? Or have you rather come to see your sick husband, yet laid up of the wounds given to him by his loving wife? You are so ill-favored and disagreeable that the only way you can merit your lover must be by dint of industry and diligence. I will make trial of your housewifery. So just be a good housewife. Okay. And then we'll call it even. Then she ordered the psyche to be led to the storehouse of her temple, where was laid up a great quantity of wheat, barley, millet, vetches, beans, and lentils prepared for food for her pigeons, and said, Take and separate all these grains, putting all of the same kind in the parcel by themselves, and see that you get it done before evening. Wow, just like all of them. <laughs> the task is always get it for, done. Like, if you're, a la- if you're a hot lady, sort this. <laughs> If you are beautiful already, you yeah. need to be like skill. Have some certain yeah. You have skill. to be dexterous. You have to sort. But what what happened to the cubit? Just burned in the face. <laughs> no, the the wax went on her his arm, not even the face. So it's the there's a injured. Yeah. But the real injury was the trust that was broken. You wasn't broken before by your setting the rules. I'm okay. Whatever. It was bent. Now it's broken. Uh huh. And we can't learn to love again. <laughs> then Venus departed and left her to her task. But Psyche, in a perfect consternation at the enormous work, sat stupid and silent without moving a finger to the inextricable heap. When, while she sat despairing, Cupid stirred... God forbid you have to do some work, Jesus Christ. While she sat despairing, Cupid stirred up the little ant, a native of the fields, to take compassion on her. The leader of the anthill, followed by whole hosts of his six-legged subjects, approached the heap, and with the utmost diligence, taken grain by grain, they separated the pile, sorting each kind to its parcel. And when it was all done, they vanished out of sight in a moment. I think all the ants, maybe the rats, and some ravens. They do all the work <laughs> yes. of the hot lady. The hot lady must not actually, like, do the work. She must only be assigned the work. <laughs> like a manager. Yeah, yeah. But someone else has to do it. Yeah. Some animals. Yeah, and she just sits there worrying. This is like me at work. I don't do shit. You just worry. I just worry about things. That's my job. So 
also like a princess job. Yeah, I, what I would rather just do the shit. <laughs> no, you wouldn't. You don't want to be an ant. I would want. I want someone else to worry, and me just like do like a little part of it. Isn't you know? that just layer over layer to a higher layer? You just like an ant. Oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Venus, at the approach of twilight, returned from the banquet of the gods, breathing odors and crowned with roses. Seeing the task done, she exclaimed, This is no work of yours, wicked one, but his, whom to your own and his misfortune you have enticed. So saying, she threw her a piece of black bread for her supper and went away. So she knew this one is really just... Everybody knew everything. Mm -hmm. Next morning, Venus ordered Psyche to be called and said to her, Behold yonder grove which stretches along the margin of the water. There you will find sheep feeding without a shepherd, with golden shining fleeces on their backs. Go, fetch me a sample of that precious wool gathered from every one of their fleeces. And make sure you do it, because I'll know if you didn't do it. I guess but, it doesn't but, but, matter. But it doesn't matter, because I'm just going to like give you a pass anyway, even if I know you didn't do it, which I will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just know everything, and I know how it's going to go. And yeah, I but know I'll, this is impossible for you. Yeah. What can you do? But I'll, I'll give you a pass anyway, <laughs> for when you inevitably not do it. <laughs> so maybe she really wants this to be done. Uh-huh. Yeah. Psyche obediently went to the riverside, prepared to do her best to execute the command. But the river god inspired the reeds with harmonious murmurs, which seemed to say, O maiden, severely tried, tempt not the dangerous flood, nor venture among the formidable rams on the other side. For as long as they are under the influence of the rising sun, they burn with a cruel rage to destroy mortals with their sharp horns or rude teeth. But when the noontide sun has driven the cattle to the shade and the serene spirit of the flood has lulled them to rest, you may then cross in safety and you will find the woolly gold sticking to the bushes and the trunks of the trees. Wow, that's nice. Clear instructions. Mm -hmm. You were given clear instructions by the (laughs) river god, weren't you? Here's a piece of black bread for your supper. I'll be back for round three. <laughs> I gave you another thing to do. <laughs> uh, also, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I always have and knew I would. <laughs> okay. Because I, I know everything. <laughs> Thus, the compassionate river god gave Psyche instructions how to accomplish her task. And by observing his directions, she soon returned to Venus with her arms full of the golden fleece. But she received not the approbation of her implacable mistress, who said, I know very well it is by none of your own doings that you have succeeded in this task. Well, then why the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) And I am not satisfied yet that you have any capacity to make yourself useful. But I have another task for you. Here, take this box and uh, find some help. (laughs) (laughs) But don't tell me, but I'll know anyway. The help will find you. Yeah, don't worry about it. Here, just don't worry about it. (laughs) Whatever I assigned you, you just... Yeah, whatever. You're gonna do it. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. It's gonna happen. It already happened. (laughs) Here, take this box and go your way to the infernal shades. 
and give this box to Proserpine and say, My mistress Venus desires you to send her a little of your beauty. For in tending her sixth son, she has lost some of her own. Be not too long on your errand, for I must paint myself with it to appear at the circle of the gods and goddesses this evening. Send a little bit beauty. Yes, she has to paint herself with the beauty. How to, how, how, how to take the beauty? Are you actually questioning the <laughs> logistics of this? What if I lost the do you, beauty? Do you, want, do you want me to spell it out for you? <laughs> Jesus Christ, what is this? This isn't rocket science. We're just taking some beauty here. As such. Okay. Any other questions? No, sorry. Jesus. <laughs> so rude. <laughs> Her name's Psyche. <laughs> She can take some beauty. Yeah. Okay. Well, it depends on her state. <laughs> Psyche was now satisfied that her destruction was at hand, being obliged to go with her own feet directly down to Erebus. Wherefore, to make no delay of what was not to be avoided, she goes to the top of a high tower to precipitate herself headlong, thus to descend the shortest way to the shades below. So she know where that is? No, she's going to kill herself by throwing her off of a precipice to get there faster. Because she has to go to hell. Ah. Amateur. <laughs> <laughs> These mortals don't even know how to put two and two together. Alright, okay. But a voice from the tower said to her... <laughs> she's like, stop, please. I have to do this the right way. She knows. She knows. La 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 la. <laughs> She'll know. Blah 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 blah. I'm not listening. Okay. <laughs> but a voice from the tower said to her, Why, poor unlucky girl, do you design to put an end to your days in so dreadful a manner? And what cowardice makes you sink under this last danger who have been so miraculously supported in all of your former? Wow, this guy. <laughs> then the voice told her by a certain cave she might reach the realms of Pluto and how to avoid all the dangers of the road, to pass by Cerebus, the three-headed dog, and prevailed on Charon, Charon, the ferryman, to take her across the Black River and bring her back again. But the voice added, When Proserpine has given you the box filled with her beauty, of all things this is chiefly to be observed by you, that you never once open or look into the box, nor allow your curiosity to pry into the treasure of the beauty of the goddesses. Okay. Psyche, encouraged by this advice, obeyed it in all things, and taking heed her ways, traveled safely to the kingdom of Pluto. She was admitted to the palace of Proserpine, without accepting the delicate seat or delicious banquet that was offered her, but contented with coarse bread for her food. She delivered her message from Venus. Presently, the box was returned to her, shut and filled with the precious commodity. Then she returned the way she came, and glad was she to come out once more into the light of day. But having got so far successfully through her dangerous task, a longing desire seized her to examine the contents of the box. What, said she, shall I, the carrier of this divine beauty, not take the least bit to put on my cheeks to appear to more advantage in the eyes of my beloved husband? So you... Don't tell people what not to do. <laughs> she 
Just give your instruction what to do. In fact, be like, hey, if you have time, like, take take a peek in there. <laughs> Only if you have time, though. Like, don't worry if you like if you don't have time. It's it's cool, but like, it's cool shit in there. You should look at it if you have time. Yeah, it is like it's a lot of work to get the box open, <laughs> but if you can, it's like it's good stuff in there. All right, cool. Again, don't worry about it. Yeah. You're putting ideas in people's minds by telling them not to do it. Yeah. No, though this way it'll s- slip their minds for sure. But I really feel this is all about women like have too much curiosity. It's first is the curiosity to see the husband. Now it's just the beauty box. Yeah, I feel like I I'm more curious than women. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know. You as a species. <laughs> I, as a person. What are you? I'm a. I'm pretty curious. Can't. I've really bad impulse control. But this is just. What about the people who give that <laughs> instruction? Give what? Instruction. Like okay. don't do this. Why do you have to say that? I wasn't gonna do it. Whatever you do, don't look in that box. Yeah, but I also want to see how to carry a beauty. Yeah, but she wants to be hotter for her husband. So she carefully opened the box, but found nothing there of any beauty at all, but an infernal and truly Sygian sleep, which being thus set free from its prison, took possession of her, and she fell down in the midst of the road, a sleepy corpse without sense or motion. Oh my god, is that a dream lord? It's Sandman, and Charles Dance is like <laughs> really wants his dead son back so much that he would kill his other son. What? What is? I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> End of the story. All right. I just want to, you know, like move forward really fast. Like sleep. No, <laughs> like oh, you. Okay, you want me to fo- fast forward to the end of this thought. To the Sandman. To the Sandman. Mm. Okay, but Cupid, being now recovered from his wound, and not able longer to bear the absence of his beloved Psyche, slipping through the smallest crack of the window of his chamber, which happened to be left open, flew to the spot where Psyche lay, and gathering up the sleep from her body, closed it again in the box and waked Psyche with a light touch of one of his arrows. Again, said he, have you almost perished by the same curiosity. But now perform exactly the task imposed on you by my mother, and I will take care of the rest, no matter how many times you fail. (laughs) Or do explicitly what you're not supposed to do. I'll love you. I'll love you, and everybody, including the person who's giving you these tasks, will bail you out in the end. (laughs) It makes you, it begs the question, what's the point? Who are you doing this for? Who is anybody doing any of this for? For the audience. For the story being a story. But it's not a story. <laughs> because everybody knows what happens in it. It's, it's just a giant fuck off waste of time. That's all it is. No, it's not. The main character is called Psyche. (laughs) As if I'm not going insane enough. (laughs) Keep going. Just keep going. Sure. (laughs) It's almost over. Okay.
Then Cupid, as swift as lightning penetrating the heights of heaven, presented himself before Jupiter with his supplication. Jupiter lent a favoring ear and pleaded the cause of the lovers so earnestly with Venus that he won her consent. On this, he sent Mercury to bring Psyche up to the heavenly assembly. And when she arrived, handing her a cup of ambrosia, he said, Drink this, Psyche, and be immortal. Nor shall Cupid ever break away from the knot in which he is tied. But these nuptials shall be perpetual. Thus Psyche became the last un- Thus Psyche became at last united to Cupid, and in due time they had a daughter born to them whose name was Pleasure. The end. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. This is... Everybody knows everything and nothing going on. Nobody changed. No character development. That's the one thing gods can't do is change <laughs> and be they better. They just do whatever. In, in no Greek drama is God ever like, is Zeus ever like, you know, I'll, uh, yeah, I think uh, I could be closer to my family. I can learn something. Yeah, I could really, I could really change as a result of this and make myself like a better father but, figure. But, but he is like, uh, like uh, a... <laughs> Getting lots of different ladies. Yeah. 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 That's her character. His. Right, his character. There's like... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They they don't change. They kind of just stay. But Saki doesn't have character. Just like curiosity is only character. Curiosity killed the Psyche. Is her become the god of curiosity? <laughs> Who's the god of curiosity? <laughs> and the keyboard of pleasure. Is that- Hi, I'm Bacchus. I'm the god of wine. Oh, I'm Zeus, the god of lightning. Uh, I'm Hades, the god of the underworld. Hi, I'm Psyche, the god of curiosity. Isn't that cool? <laughs> yeah, they're really running out of ideas with these layer two gods. Uh-huh. And the cupid just. I, I didn't follow what's the beginning. So her mother was jealous of Saki, right? So he wanted her son to do something to hurt hurt her. But instead he married her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't send so, your son to hurt a hot lady. She's he's just gonna like fall in love with her. <laughs> Isn't that implied that's the best way to hurt her lady is to marry them? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You tell them, girl. (laughs) You'll show them. And, yeah, I don't know. They have good night. Not good night. They have good time in night. In the night. With not with any- me too. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Where are you talking from? So do I. <laughs> Who are you? <laughs> Don't we all, sister? <laughs>
I don't get it.、Uh-huh. It's nobody. Nobody's story. I can't even tell if it's Saiki's story because she didn't do anything, basically. And everything she do, everybody knows. I wrote the story. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you write the story? <laughs> to prove a point. What <laughs> <laughs> point? Oh, if you have to ask, you didn't get. You should read it again. No, isn't that like the the whole the same thing? The east of the sun and west of the moon. It's just way better because the prince did lots of things. Try to find him and to make the things right. No, they talk to wind in that too. Yeah, yeah, talk to wind. I like. I think the wind gave me a feeling that that's also a cute guy,、mm. like a gentleman. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool! Like, if I want somebody here, I can just ask Zephyr.、Like, I, th- I, I, th- you sound like you just want the wind here. <laughs> no, I just like bring some, some, some here to me, and you come here too. Uh huh. Uh huh. And you just, you just want to see the wind, so you just keep asking for like random things. <laughs> <laughs> come here and then leave. Zephyr, I need a, I need a sink. I need like a kitchen sink. Can you give me like a bundle of hay? Can you give me、uh-huh. anything you like? Yeah, like <laughs> <laughs> like a delivery guy <laughs> who's hot. <laughs> Dasher. <laughs> yeah, you keep Zephyr's like she she tips me a lot. It's <laughs>、uh, good. Yeah. Yep. Next time, please send all of your requests at once. This is the fourth trip I've had to make today.、Um, no, I just. <laughs> I'm very forgetful. I'm sorry. Do you want some food? I'm making food. Sure. <laughs> oh, <laughs> are those dumplings? <laughs> Anything I'll eat. <laughs>